Um, we are currently um, in a sermon series. We've been doing this for much of the summer where we're studying the Psalms and we're studying the various emotions that we experience as human beings and the Psalms kind of give voice uh, and give prayers to our emotions. And today we are considering the emotion of joy from Psalm 98, uh, the emotion of joy. And so have you ever met someone who is full of joy? like truly joyful person and just what an impact that can have on you. Um, for me in my life, my mother-in-law is one of those people. Uh, this week I went down and visited my in-laws and uh, I spent some time with my mother-in-law having coffee with her and uh, she's just one of the most joyful people I've ever meet. Bubbly, smiley. Um, I think she just walks 10 inches off the ground all the time because she's just, she's got one of those hearts that's just joyful all the time. Um, but just an example, let me give you a story of, the, the kind of wonder and excitement and anticipation, anticipation with which she lives. So yesterday she said to my wife, she said, Rebecca, guess what today is? My wife said, um, August 27th. And she goes, yes. And Rebecca says, what is that? She said, it's almost September 22nd. And Rebecca's like, not really. Um, it's about a month away, um, but what's September 22nd? And she said, that's the first day of fall. And Rebecca's like, yeah, that is pretty great. You know, pumpkin spice lattes, all that. And she goes, no, what's great about fall is that once fall is here, you can begin planning for Christmas. And I'm like, it's September 22nd. Um, and, you know, you can be a Grinch about it all you want. But my mother-in-law is choosing joy, and she's going to celebrate Christmas, and she's going to listen to, I don't know, Michael Buble and, you know, Chris Tomlin Christmas album from September 22nd, probably till January 1st. That's what she's doing. She's choosing joy. You can be cynical and grinchy all you want, but that's what she's choosing. Um, well, speaking of Christmas, I know that uh, it's the peak of summer heat right now, and today doesn't at all feel like Christmas. Um, but I'm going to ask you to get into the Christmas spirit. Join with my mother-in-law, Karen Scoggins, and get into the Christmas spirit today. Because as we look at Psalm 98 and what the scriptures say about joy, I want us to kind of parallel consider the song, Joy to the World. We all know this song. Uh, joy to, we sing it at Christmas. Joy to the World is written by Isaac Watts. Um, so this song was written in 1719 by a guy named Isaac Watts. And his story is pretty uh, cool. As a teenager... Uh, he would sit in church like many teenagers do, and he was bored with the music. Oh, this music is so boring, he thought. And so he thought that it, he, at the time, he thought that the music wasn't even, it wasn't even singing of rich theology. He thought that the melodies were kind of dull and dry and boring. And uh, he came home one Sunday, and he complained about the music at church to his father. Dad, I hate this music. It's boring. It's for old people. And his father replied, well then, young man, why don't you give us something better to sing? And he did. Isaac Watts went home, and he wrote Joy to the World. And you're like, how can you write such a song, Joy to the World? Um, it seems like a naive thing to say, Joy to the World, when the world is filled with so much brokenness. Um, and if you've ever studied the life of Isaac Watts, you know that he understood pain and sorrow. And so when he sings about joy to the world, this isn't a guy singing about joy who's had a great life. This is, he's not naive, but he's singing about joy in the midst of sorrow and in the midst of difficult circumstances. Isaac Watts had a physical disease that actually caused him, he, he once was a pastor and had to quit because um, he had a physical ailment that kind of prevented him from 
uh, from being a pastor. And uh, at one point in his life, the love of his life rejected his marriage proposal. Um, but he went through that, Isaac Watts. But, um, and because this is interesting as well, because his songs were so different than all the other songs that were being sung in church, um, his songs had these catchy melodies. Um, he was kind of considered to be a heretic or like a blasphemer by many church leaders. They were like, they opposed him publicly. Um, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. I remember when I was a little kid and our church, our little Baptist church, got a drum set for the first time. And you would have thought that, you know, the, the people in the church, they had never seen such, you know, shenanigans in their life. And they're upset about it. But, but this is what he experienced. He wrote these songs and they said, no, 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 these songs are meant for the bar. These aren't meant for the church. And so he was publicly opposed by people that he thought would appreciate what he was doing. But he knew the world was broken. He felt it. This is a guy who knew pain and knew sorrow and knew betrayal. Yet he was able to write a song and he was able to sing joy to the world. And millions of people sing this song every year in multiple languages at Christmas time every year. And the song was actually inspired by our text today, which is Psalm 98. And Watts read this psalm about joy, and he said, I want to write a hymn that captures what I just read from this psalm. And so I want to read to you Psalm 98. We'll start in verse 4. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Um, as I said, we've been in a sermon series uh, studying the Psalms, and it's been called How to Deal with How You Feel. And the truth is, is God created us. He didn't create us as robots. He created us as human beings. And as human beings, we have emotions, we feel, and we experience um, all sorts of things. And these emotions are shown all throughout the Bible, particularly in the Psalms. And so far as we've been in this study, we've looked at loneliness and shame and fear and sadness and hurt and anger, and those all seem so somber and negative. But today, we consider joy. And the Scriptures have plenty to say about joy, and not only joy in the easy times, but the Scriptures have much to say about joy even when we're experiencing all the other emotions, when we're sad, when we're lonely, when we feel betrayed. We can still have joy. This is the emotion that for the follower of Jesus can trump them all. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is all about, joy in the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, there's a command. Be joyful always. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of you have ever asked, what is God's will for my life? It's to be joyful always. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. The scriptures speak of joy both as a privilege, something we get to experience, but the scriptures also speak of joy as a command. God commands us to be joyful. And joy, it's not an option that's available only to those whose temperament is conducive to it. It's easy for us to be like, you know, some of those people, they're just happy all the time. That's them. That ain't me. You know, I'm, I, I've, seen some, I've seen too much, you know. I'm raw. I'm authentic. Well, the Scriptures command us. Joy is not just for the people who are, whose temperaments are conducive to it. It is for all of us. And we're commanded, God commands and intends every one of his children to experience joy in this life. And listen, 
I know that the last few years have been particularly hard for all of us. Uh, Many of you have dealt with illnesses. Many of you have dealt with death in your family. You've experienced that stretch of time where we were all isolated in quarantine. The pandemic brought all sorts of financial uncertainty. There was furloughs. There were layoffs. Maybe you had dating troubles, marital conflicts, and then just the day-to-day challenges of living in a city like this. And we can often find ourselves feeling, you're like, I feel like I can barely breathe, much less have joy. Um, And and we're like, if I want joy, I got to fight for it. And the scriptures say, yes, we fight for joy. God commands us to fight for joy. But the scriptures also promise that joy is, we, we we can get a hold of it, that it is available to us. And the testimony of the scriptures and the experience of Isaac Watts tell us that joy is possible even in difficult circumstances. But in our lives, there are all sorts of barriers to joy, aren't there? You're like, I want to live a joyful life, but then there's all these things in your life that come up that kind of block you from experiencing joy. What are some of those things? Some of those things come from outside of us, circumstances outside of our control. Some of those things uh, that rob us of joy come from inside of us. So outside of us, there are things like Rampant consumerism and advertising. Um, You're never enough, the advertisement says. You know, you'll never measure up unless you have this product. You'll never be beautiful enough. You'll never be uh, handsome enough. You'll never be acceptable enough until you buy this shampoo, you know, or until you have this. And the good life, according to commercials and advertisements and billboards, it's always conditional. It's always conditional. Get this and you will be fulfilled. Therefore, our joy, it's always like a carrot being dangled in front of us. Oh, the next purchase, the next thing, that's going to give me the joy that I want. But it's always like a carrot. We never quite can grasp it. Uh, Another thing that happens that can rob us of joy is suffering. Like Life can throw some really difficult circumstances at us. And it can disorient us. Um, it can upend our plans, it can break our spirit, and we can lose our joy just because of circumstances outside of our control. Those are things that happen outside of us that can rob us of joy, but what are the things inside of our own hearts that can keep us from experiencing joy? Comparison is one of them, right? Nothing is a thief of joy like comparison. Um, we're all, when we compare ourselves to other people in their lives, we look at their social media feeds and you go, oh my goodness, their kids behave. Their kids are always smiling. Their kids are always, you know, they're doing all these things. You're like, man, that dad is crushing it. And I feel like I'm just hanging on by my fingertips. And, but the reality is what people post on social media, it's their highlight reel. And you're looking at that, you're looking at their highlight reel and you're going, man, they are like the LeBron James of life. And I'm over here, you know, you're like, I feel like, you know, the white guy on the bench. You're like, I can't get it together, but everybody else seems to have their life taken care of. And then we start to compare our real lives with other people's highlight reels, and it robs us of joy. You know, lately the thing that's really been getting me is, you know, all these people have left the city in the last couple of years. You know, I love my my friends. I love them. And I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at them. I have to tell myself, not mad at them. It's not betrayal. They, they, you know, they had opportunities that they pursued. Um, But when I see, like, our friends from Brooklyn that leave, they're like Florida. They moved to Florida or North Carolina or something, and I see their houses I'm like, that's a lot of square footage. That's grass that, that's yours. Like, you don't have to share that with everybody in the city. Like, I can get really, um, I, I can get very uh, envious. And when you become envious and you begin to compare your life with other people, man, it, it, nothing will suck the joy from your life quite like that. 
You can become discontent, and that'll take your joy. Um, some of you, um, you're, the reason you lack joy is because you're simply negative. Sometimes we can simply just be negative, cynical, sarcastic. And those, th- th- that posture can keep you from experiencing joy. When you have that disposition of everything's a joke, you never take anything seriously, you look for the bad in everyone, that posture of contempt for everyone and everything around you can rob you of joy in this life. And you may think you're being funny, you may think you're being realistic, but what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to miss all the blessings that are all around you, and it robs you of joy. Honestly, some some people experience a lack of joy because there's sin in your life that you haven't confessed. Um, you haven't repented of. And so you, here you are, you're walking in a life that's disobedient to God and the commands of Jesus, and you're like, you feel miserable. You're not experiencing joy. And you're like, why do I feel miserable right now? Listen, conviction of sin is a gift from the Holy Spirit. God can, in his grace, make you miserable in your sin in order to lead you to repentance and forgiveness. And the scriptures say, bring your sin into light, bring your disobedience into light, receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers, walk in obedience, and then experience the abundant life of joy that God has for you. For some of you, the reason you're not experiencing joy is because you just have a myopic perspective. I do this all the time where I see my circumstances and I just laser focus on the hard. Anybody do that? And you just lose all perception of all the other things that's going on in your life. And, and, and yeah, you've got this hard thing right here. But there's all these blessings that God's given you all around. But you can't see them because you're so fixated on the one thing that's difficult. And so, so when, 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 we, when we lack perspective of what God's doing in our lives, that can rob us of joy. When we lack gratitude or wonder in life, that can rob us of joy. And true Christian joy that the scriptures talk about seem to be in short supply these days. So how do we find it? First thing I want you to see is, where is the source of our joy? Like, where do we find it? What's the source of our joy? Isaac Watts tells us that joy comes because the Lord has come. Joy to the world. Back to that song. Joy to the world. One of the interesting things about this song um, is based on Psalm 98. Um, But Isaac Watts understood this psalm as a psalm of anticipation for the coming Messiah. So the people of Israel, they wrote this song anticipating a Messiah that would come. But uh, Isaac Watts wrote this song saying, look, I'm going to write a song, a a psalm on the other side of the promise. The psalmist is looking ahead to the Messiah. Isaac Watts is looking backwards to the Messiah that has come, which is Jesus. And so the the passage says, let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy before the Lord, for he will come to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. See, the psalmist looked forward, but Isaac Watts says, we know who the Messiah is. It's Jesus. And so the the psalmist says, the sea roars, the rivers clap their hands. Uh, He says, Isaac Watts says, heaven and nature sing. Why does heaven and nature sing? Because the Lord has come. And he comes to make his blessings flow. And this ought to give us joy. See, the source of Christian joy is that God has come and he is with us. Uh, John Wesley, uh, you know, legend goes that his final words were, the best news of all is this, God is with us. I think, what a beautiful phrase. But Isaac Watts says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. We have joy. We can have joy 
because we know that God has come to us and that he is with us. Um, this is why at Christmas, uh, it's such a joyful season. It's why we anticipate Christmas so much. Like, I don't know about you guys, my favorite service of the year is always Christmas Eve. I walk out of Christmas Eve just like on cloud nine. Because one, I love the songs, the traditions, the candlelights, all that sort of stuff. But there's something about reflecting on God becoming man that just stirs up joy in my soul. That God came to earth as a child and grew to be a king. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, the shepherds are in their fields tending their flocks when an angel appeared to them. And the angel said this, it says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. Or as the King James Version, or if you remember St. Charlie Brown, Linus says, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. What is the good news of great joy that will be for everyone? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what is the source of our joy? The source of our joy is that God is with us. He became like us to make us like him. Um, Every Christmas I probably tell this story because I just think it uh, it encapsulates the beauty of the incarnation so well. And so it's not Christmas, but I'll tell it anyway. Um, Father Damien, have you guys recognized the name Father Damien? He was a priest uh, from Belgium in the late 19th century, and he became aware of a leper colony in Hawaii. Um, it was a quarantine camp. And so uh, there was no church there because it was everybody on this island had leprosy, which is incredibly contagious. It is, um, the prognosis is certain death, um, and it's painful. And so these, these, lep- these people that had contracted leprosy would be shipped off to a quarantine camp together. And they were, there they were, all alone. There was no church there. There were no missionaries. These people were truly isolated from the rest of the world, and they were left to die. And there was no one there to show them the love of God. And so Damien, he went. Uh, He made himself vulnerable by exposing himself to the disease. He became a missionary to a leper colony. And he did so because he wanted these lepers to know that they were loved by God and that God had not forgotten them. And in the end, Damien contracted the disease. He was killed by the disease because he exposed himself to it. He left his life of comfort and security to enter into a world of dying and death so that those who were dying could experience life and the joy of knowing that God loves them. And that is such a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done with us. Jesus in Philippians 2 says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself Think about this. Jesus left the joys and the comfort and the security of heaven and being seated at the right hand of the Father, and he stripped himself of all of that, and he became a child. He was born into a world full of sin to bring joy to us who are under the curse of sin. And he came to rescue us from sin's curse. And listen, every major religion and every distortion of Christianity tells us what we have to do to find God. But the Bible tells a story of God making himself vulnerable and finding us. Jesus is the one who has come to rescue us, deliver us. He is the source of our joy. He entered into our pain. He moved into our lives. He became a leper, so to speak, so that he could rescue lepers like us. And if you want to experience Christian joy, you must continually remind yourself of this. 
that God loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you. So on those days where you feel inadequate, on the days where you feel unacceptable or lonely or isolated or cynical, or the days when you feel like you don't measure up or that you don't matter to anyone else, know that you are loved by God and let that give you joy. That is the source of our joy, that God loves us so much and that while we were yet sinners, he sent his son Christ to die for us. So that's the source of our joy, but what's the hope of our joy? I love that Isaac Watts says he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Listen, sometimes having joy doesn't come easy. Sometimes having joy is an act of hope. We hope for joy. We have joy because we hope. There's an often forgotten verse of Joy to the World where Isaac Watts writes, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. You see, Isaac Watts knew what the authors of Scripture knew, and that is that we find joy in this life by looking back to what Jesus has done for us, his birth, his death, and his resurrection. But we also experience joy not only by looking back, but by hoping forward. The hope that God's ultimate promises will be realized in heaven when Jesus returns. When Jesus came to earth for the first time, he came to die for our sins. But there is a day coming when he will return and he will put an end to sin and darkness forever. And he will bring ultimate healing and ultimate joy when he brings in the new heavens and new earth. And the new heavens and new earth are described in Revelation 21 like this. It says that God will come. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. It's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. See, this is what we look forward to as followers of Jesus. This is like the people of Israel longed for their Messiah to come. We long for our Messiah, the same one, to return and finish what he started. Our joy comes from our hope that God has promised that he will one day put an end to all the suffering that is on this earth. All of the things that the curse of sin has disrupted and distorted and mauled and, 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 and maimed. Jesus is coming again to make his blessings flow backwards far as the curse is found. You see, when sin and disobedience and evil entered into this world, everything was affected. Our relationships were affected. Abuse entered the world. Anger, conflict, murder, racism. Our relationship with ourselves was affected when sin entered the world. Things like depression, anxiety, sickness, disability. Our relationship with all of creation was affected. Systemic oppression, wars, injustice, poverty, natural disasters, all of these things are a result of the curse of sin being inflicted upon our world. This world is broken and we all know it. This world is not the way it's supposed to be. And Jesus promises that when he returns, he will undo all these things and he will bring everlasting joy. Or as J.R.R. Tolkien says, he will make every sad thing come untrue. Or as Isaac Watts says, he will make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. 
Everything that has been undone by sin will be pieced back together by the sovereign hand of Jesus for his glory and for our joy. And when that day comes, all the pain and sorrow you have ever experienced, all these emotions that we've looked over over the last few weeks, sadness, fear, hurt, loneliness, on and on, they will feel like nothing more than a bad dream. These feelings are real, but in light of eternity, these feelings are light and temporary. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And I just want to give you, I, I hope I have time for this, but um, a little, just a, this, something that I hope will stick with you as you hear the song Joy to the World for the rest of your life. Uh, Isaac Watts, um, he actually put a hidden metaphor within the melody of this song. So many of you, if you watch Marvel movies, you know about Easter eggs. Uh, Isaac Watts slipped an Easter egg into this song. So I'm going to go, I'm going to play, Joy, I'm going to play an eight note scale on the piano. All right, can you guys hear this? That's an eight-note scale on the piano. Nothing impressive about that. That's our life. It just is. And Isaac Watts, he said, how can I describe with music what Jesus is doing when he returns and brings rest, the restoration of all things? He takes an eight-note scale and he plays it backwards like this. So what he's doing in the song, you understand, is he's saying that we have joy because Jesus is coming and he's going to reverse all that has been broken. This song is a reversal of a major scale and it is a little hidden metaphor of what Jesus is doing. The hope of our joy, our, the, the reason we can have joy is because we have hope that God is going to reverse the effects of sin in this world and he is making all things new. This is where joy is different from mere happiness. Happiness is contingent upon circumstances, but joy can be steady and constant and hopeful because joy is coming and we hope in that. And you're here this afternoon, maybe you've gone through hell this year, but the promise of the gospel is that nothing can take from you what God has done or what he has promised to do. Your hope does not have to be shaken because of your circumstances. Jerry Bridges says, Christian joy is bound up closely with hope. We believe that the pain and the suffering that we experience in this life, though real, is not the last word on the matter. Or as Karl Barth has aptly stated, in the face of human suffering, the joy of the Christian stands as a defiant nevertheless. You see, joy is a defiant nevertheless to the circumstances that we experience. This is why joy is unshakable, no circumstance in this world can remove what happened on the cross, and no circumstance in the world can undo the promise of heaven. You know, people often say, Christianity, that's a crutch for the weak. You know, opiate for the masses, I believe it was Karl Marx that said. Christianity is just a crutch for the weak. It's people who, who aren't strong enough to deal with their, own, with their own pain and with their own sorrows. And it's leveled like it's an attack against the faith, like some gotcha thing. Oh, it's just a crutch for the weak. You're, you're so weak that you need a belief in a God to make you strong. And to that, I'm like, guilty as charged. <laughs> yes, because in my weakest moments, his strength is made perfect in me. And I can have joy even on the hardest days. And without, uh, yes, 
Christianity, God is a crutch. But without him, I wouldn't be able to walk. I'll take the crutch because I need the joy. You see, the joy that the Spirit gives us helps us in times of trouble. But joy, it's not, I want you to see this. This is the last thing I want you to see. Joy is not only for us. God doesn't give joy to your life merely so you can have joy. God gives his people joy so that we can give joy to the world. So what is the life of a joyful person? Isaac Watts says in his song, he says, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Isaac Watts says, if you've experienced joy, sing that song to the world. Let men their songs employ. But he says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, the psalmist says. All the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and with the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. The psalmist commands us not only to be joyful, but to take our joy and to make a sound with it to show the world so that they will know where our joy comes from and that God is good. The world needs more joyful Christians, doesn't it? Our world needs more joyful Christians. And I believe that one of the greatest apologetics for the faith, the greatest persuasive thing we can do to this world to let them know that Jesus is Lord is to be joyful people. Like, have you ever, have you ever really met someone who's really joyful? Um, like not fake but truly joyful. Somebody who even on the hard days um, is, is joyful because of their hope in Christ. It, when you meet somebody like that, it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. I mentioned my mother-in-law. Like she's going through a lot of really difficult stuff right now. Um, I don't need, that's her story, not mine, but she's going through some hard things right now. But as I spent time with her this week, I was just blown back. I was like, here's a woman who's going through some really difficult days but yet her lips, Scripture falls off them. Her heart is just overflows with prayer. And her compassion toward others, even though she's experiencing a difficult time, her compassion toward others who are going through difficult times shows that this is a woman who has experienced the joy of the Lord. And I keep, I just find myself, as I was sitting across the living room talking to her, having coffee, I was like, she has joy that I wish I had. I'm like, and she motivates me to know Jesus more. And that's the kind of people that we ought to be. I know some of you in this room, your neighbors in your building, they know the challenges that you're facing. And they're watching your life. And they see when you are able to rejoice, even in the storms of life. And they go, how in the world? How in the world are they joyful even during these circumstances? And your life preaches the gospel louder than you will ever realize when you live with joy, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So sing out. Make a joyful noise with your life. And I know that life can be hard. We've talked about that the last several weeks. Sadness, fear, hurt, loneliness, shame. Life can be hard. And these are real feelings. And we dare not deny these feelings and dare not deny our emotional responses to them. We're sad. Life can be hard. Even Jesus wept. He wept when his friend Lazarus died. Yet at Lazarus' grave, Jesus knew his crucifixion and his resurrection were in sight. And he knew, as we know now, that sin and death 
is not the final word over our lives. Sorrow is not the final word over our lives. Sadness is not the final word over your life. Nor is fear or anger or loneliness or bitterness or betrayal or hurt. Those are not the final words over your lives because resurrection is coming. And Jesus knew and he wept with sadness even though Lazarus has died. But he wept with hope knowing that he would raise Lazarus and that one day he would raise himself. And that he would conquer sin and death forever on the cross. And that's the reality that brings us everlasting joy. We have joy because there is a resurrection. Our joy is a defiant, nevertheless, to the difficult circumstances of our lives. Let me pray for you, church. Uh, God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the hope of the cross and the resurrection. We thank you that because there is an empty tomb outside of Jerusalem, that we can live lives of joy even in the midst of difficult circumstances. Um, God, we can endure the night because we know that the day is coming. And so God, we look forward with hope to your second coming when you will restore and renew and resurrect all things. And God, we wait with hope and we, and, and we, we trust that you will give us joy as we wait. And so God, make us joyful people for our own benefit, for your glory and for the good of the world. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?